Welcome to the Living Joyfully Podcast, where we talk about the intricacies of being in relationship with the people in our lives. Let's dig deep, challenge paradigms, choose connection, and live joyfully. Hello, and welcome to the Living Joyfully Podcast. We are so happy you're here exploring relationships with us, who we are in them, out of them, and what that means for how we move through the world. If you're new to the podcast, we encourage you to go back and listen to earlier episodes, particularly the first 14, our foundation series, because we continue to reference these fundamental relationship ideas and tools pretty often. And if you've already been enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you could leave a rating and review wherever you listen. That definitely helps new people find us. So today's episode is part of our relationships series, and we're going to talk about bids for connection. This concept comes from doctors John and Julie Gottman, who have been studying relationships for decades, and it can be a helpful lens through which to look at our interactions with the people we love. So a bid for connection is a small action that shows the person who would like to connect with us. It could be like, look at this, or I'm exhausted, or just a hug, or a request for help, or even, I have heard these, a loud sigh. (laughs) You know, it's an opportunity for us to make a choice in how we respond. The Gottmans describe three possible directions that we can take. So turning towards means enthusiastically meeting the bid with connection. Looking towards the person, responding with validation, increasing those feelings of connection. The person feels seen and heard and the relationship is strengthened. Now, turning away could look like staying mostly unengaged. So maybe continuing to look at whatever you're working on, glancing up for a second to say, "Mm mm-hmm, we're replying in a minute. Sometimes it feels like that's the most we can do. But over time, this type of response often leads to disconnection in the relationship. The person feels a little rebuffed, like you're uninterested in them. And turning against is usually the result of actively being in a state of overwhelm. It looks like more aggressively rejecting the bid for connection. Can't you see I'm busy? Oh, here we go, what now? Or even just rolling your eyes, rather obviously. Turning against the bid damages the relationship and makes it more likely that the person won't make future bids for connection with us. Yeah, you know, this concept has been so helpful for me. It helps me see the moments where more connection is possible. And I know the person that I want to be is one who turns towards those bits of connection from the people in my life, but we do get busy and in our heads. And it's not always super clear that it's a bid for connection because it rarely looks like, hey, I want to spend time with you. (laughs) And so I do really like keeping this idea top of mind as much as I can so that I notice the more subtle cues that someone's looking to connect because it really is one of the easiest ways to keep relationships in a good place. Connection is the foundation of any healthy relationship and the stronger and more secure the connection, the easier it is to navigate the ups and downs. So finding ways to keep the connection strong is so helpful and we don't want to miss these easy ways to do it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And something I found helpful is using this idea of bids for connection to look at those requests from my partner or kids. Like you said, they don't always look 
what they are. <laughs> and it's particularly when they request um, something that we know they could do themselves. So maybe they ask them <laughs> to bring them a drink or a snack or bring them their phone. At first, we may think or even say, you can get it, you're closer. But if we instead get curious, we can take a moment and ask ourselves, if it's something they can do for themselves, why are they asking me to do it? So maybe it's about the act of getting the thing and we realize they're busy with what they're already doing, or we learn they're resting a sore leg or that they're feeling a little bit under the weather. But if none of those fit, it may well be a bid for connection. Not that they can likely name it that way, as you said, but they are feeling a need to connect. And this felt like a way that they could reach out. And it's super important to note that meeting the request is not the same as meeting that need for connection. So for instance, getting the drink doesn't mean their need has been met. So if you bring the drink and immediately go back to what you were doing, 10 minutes later, they may bring them a snack. <laughs> That's another clue that it's not really about the thing. It's about connecting with you. The request is actually an invitation for you to join them for a few minutes to connect, to ask about what they're up to and listen to their answer, to wholeheartedly join them in their activity for a while, something that fills their connection cup. And it really helped me to remember they aren't trying to frustrate me. They are trying to meet a need. And the need for the drink is just a surface need. We know that because they could meet it for themselves if it was just about that. The deeper need they're expressing is more likely for connection or maybe for reassurance that we value them and our relationship with them more than the thing that we're occupied with. It also helped me to remember that even seemingly negative behavior can be a bid for connection. So particularly if regular bids have been ignored, they can get louder and more negative in an attempt to express how important it is for them to connect with you, to feel seen and heard by you. Yeah. I, I love how you mentioned those odd requests that clearly they could do for themselves. It's like, uh, you're a lot closer to the kitchen or the light switch, but it doesn't take much scratching below the surface at all to see that it's not about the light or the glass of water at all, but about needing that moment of connection. And like you said, that need will most likely not be met by just getting the light or the drink, especially if I add a tone to it, like, here's your drink or fine. <laughs> You know, <laughs> um, the requests will just keep coming, like you said, and they could turn a little bit more negative or they'll move on to some other way, you know, which could just be even harder to understand. And for some reason with this piece is kind of interesting to me because asking for something that they can do for themselves, we seem to have a harder time offering grace around this to children. You know, if a neighbor were to ask us for water, we'd hop up and happily get it. But if our child does, we can start the you know, you can get it yourself kind of lecture tone. And somehow then we'll tie it into this independence agenda or assigning some kind of future significance to this one little ask. You know, they're never going to learn to do things for themselves, which of course does not hold up to much scrutiny at all. But you see parents go there all the time. And the thing is, they really will learn to do the things for themselves and most likely already know. But the request is, again, not about the water or the snack or the act itself. It's about this need to connect with you. 
And I just always want to keep in mind the person I want to be in the world. I want to show kindness and consideration to the people I love, really to most people. And what I find is that I do receive it back in turn. So instead of thinking they will never learn to do anything for themselves, you know, you can reframe it as they're learning how to be kind and a loving person in a relationship an incredibly helpful skill that will serve them the rest of their life. Because the thing is, if I would do something for a friend or neighbor, why wouldn't I do it for the people I love most in the world? It was just such an interesting question for me to ask myself. And it always reminded me that I wanted to be giving my best to the people that I love. I want to assume positive intent, even if it isn't clear in that moment. And when we were talking before about HALT, you know, I mentioned how the L for lonely often ties into the bids for connection. And it's more along the lines of what you were talking about when it can kind of get a little surly or grumpy. You know, if we have this grumpy tone, sighing, maybe some stomping about, like it really can be about feeling disconnected. So kind of checking in and making sure, hey, am I paying attention you know, to what's happening, you know, have we kind of been separate? Have I been engaged in my thing? And, you know, maybe they're looking for me to kind of see what they're up to. You know, I just, I want to ward off any escalation that could then lead to a conflict. Because again, if someone gets extra surly and then they get snappy, then we can get, you know, locked into some kind of a conflict. And I actually think that once you have this idea as just part of your relationship, as part of your family, as part of just the culture and the environment you're in, then the negative bids lessen because you have some language and recognition around feeling disconnected and can then find those positive ways to connect. Yes, yes. It gives us that language that we can start just communicating more through it. Because connection just becomes part of the fabric of the family, I feel. Weaving through all different kinds of moments. So from those deeply connecting joyful ones to disconnecting conflict to bids for connection and the varying responses in between. Like it's it's so rich. It's so rich. And then when we can, like you said, when we can communicate more uh, through that lens, there is less chance that it escalates to go off the rails. Right. And of course, we can also make bids for connection, <laughs> inviting our partner or child to join us in an activity or asking to join them in what they're doing or opening up space for a conversation that's entering to both interesting to both of us. Just don't have expectations of their response or take their response personally because that's not helpful. Their response is about them, not about you, right? That said, it doesn't mean ignoring it. If we're feeling ignored after a few attempts to reach out, it's helpful to have a conversation with them about how we're feeling. Because so often we're drawn to telling a negative story about what's going on when actually we're missing some information from their perspective. Maybe I say, I've been trying to connect with you the last couple of days, asking you to watch that new show with me, starting to feel like you don't want to spend time together. And their response may well be, oh, I just didn't want to watch that show. I heard it's boring. I didn't realize you were looking to connect. Would you like to go for a hike together on the weekend? Sure. Or not. Our suggestions like this. It's an opening for a conversation. So we can, we have the opportunity for everybody to share what things are looking and feeling like to us. And then we find a path forward together that is meeting all of our needs. 
So it's just, I just wanted to share that in my experience, the story that I've gotten stuck replaying in my head, that keeps me even more disconnected because I'm in my head, right? And it often really isn't how the other person is seeing it. So it is so worth taking a step in and just saying, hey, you know, something's up and I'm not seeing it this way. What do you think? Right. I mean, the stories are so powerful and they so often derail us, you know, being more clear on stating the needs instead of, you know, jumping to a solution can help us to find the ways that feel better together. You know, the need in this situation being to spend time together or to feel connected. The proposed solution was watching the show, but we know that there's all kinds of ways that we can reconnect. And so we don't want to tell a story around that. And again, I think just keeping this top of mind helps us communicate the need more, you know? And so instead of being like this kind of subterfuge about like, okay, we're going to like make this little bid, we can be more aware of, hey, I'm making, I'm asking about the show because I want to be with them. So then I can be more clear, you know? So definitely watch for any stories you're telling, you know, and whenever you find yourself assigning thoughts or feelings to another person, you're telling a story. (laughs) So when that story is making you feel disconnected, just take that step back and ask some questions, be more clear about what your needs are, and then you'll get a better sense of what's going on for the other person. And you can both work on finding solutions that feel good to everyone to see if the hike makes sense or if something else, you know, another activity makes sense. But it's that conversation, right? We're starting the conversation and we're being more clear. It's hard when we have to guess about people, you know? And again, you know, I think just bringing this language into our lives helps us communicate more clearly and really understand better what is driving our behavior and the behavior of those around us. And it doesn't have to feel like such a mystery when we do that. Because people, particularly those we love, don't need to be the unpredictable. We have to make them out. And we don't need to be an unpredictable puzzle to the people that we love. Relationships, connection, conversation, language, like just learning about each other is just so incredibly valuable. And these bids for connection, looking at things through this lens, I just found really helpful for me to just take the pulse of the relationship, right? So here are some questions around bids for connection to ponder this week. Number one, does looking back on the last week or so through the lens of bids for connection change how you see any of your interactions with your partner or children? It's just really interesting to use this lens and look in and see, oh, you know, maybe they meant this. Maybe they were thinking this. And now this week, when your partner or child asks something of you, try to take that beat to consider the motivation behind the ask. Is it possible it's a bid for connection? And how might that change your response? Number three, have you found yourself turning against recent bids for connection? Are you feeling overwhelmed? What are some things you might do to help reduce your overwhelm? So recognizing that we're turning against bids for connection isn't about beating ourselves up or, oh my gosh, you did something wrong. No, it's a wonderful clue that, oh, there might be something for me to look at. Am I feeling overwhelmed, right? Right. And I would say it's often um, assigned to the relationship and it's often a 
about the context. So like if you're, re- you know, kind of rejecting bids for connection, you may just be like, oh, I'm really struggling with this person. And they may be thinking they don't love me. They don't want to be with me when really it is this overwhelm at stress at work. There's some kind of contextual pieces like we've talked about before. So just look at it as that clue, that little red flag of like, hey, I want to tune in a little bit more before this becomes a rupture in the relationship. Yes, because there is so much subtext that we're communicating with our actions, right? So recognizing that they may be seeing our actions or differently than what we're meaning by them. So again, language and communication is so helpful with that. And our last question, do you recognize some of your recent requests of others as bids for connection? Did they turn towards you? Are there ways you might tweak your bids to invite a more positive response? In that whole scale of, like, because you know the you know the other person, right? Right. Coming right. out and explaining, I really want to connect with you, spend some time. Is that, you know, a helpful way to approach it? Or the one thing that was really helpful to me was recognizing, you know what? What I really want is to connect with them. I don't really care how. Right. So that helped me get to a mindset where I'm happy to just sit by them and join them when they're doing their fun thing. I'm just going to soak in their presence and their joy, their laughter, you know, whatever it is. And that's going to fill my cup. It doesn't need to be, I want to connect with this person and I want to do it through something that I love to do. So I want them to make it when we put all, we can put so much inside our relationship. We can, but I think it, that's that self-awareness piece too. And I think this is an important piece because if, again, it's about the clarity of the need, you know, so right. So like you were able to identify in that situation, hey, just being close by feels good. And just knowing what they're into and what they're laughing about, that feels great. And sometimes it might be, you know, no, I kind of want to have a deep conversation or I want to talk about this thing that's coming up or that just happened. But then we can be more clear. So then it's not, we're not kind of like sitting down with the expectation of this big conversation when maybe the child or your partner's involved in something, you know? So again, that more clarity around what your needs are. And I feel like that's our responsibility, right? To understand our needs and to communicate them clearly. And so all of these things and just looking through this lens of bid for connection over this next week, I think you'll see some of these pieces and then you can kind of fine tune like, hey, am I being clear and am I being open to what they're trying to communicate to me as well? Yes. Which brings up just one other, another, there's lots of pieces, but (laughs) something that I learned over the years, that clarity is just so incredibly valuable because at first we can think, oh, you know, we love this person. They love me. They should understand me. They should know when I'm feeling (laughs) a little left out or that I'm feeling like I want to connect. Like they should sense through my body language or something and they should make the effort. No, that is a lot of expectations to put on someone. And can we do that for everybody else? You know, so being clear about our needs doesn't say that they don't love us that much or whatever. They don't understand us. They don't know us. Being clear is is just so valuable so that other people know where we are and can respond in ways that are helpful because you know what? They love us too. And they also want to be, they're in relationship with us. It's not a one-way thing, right? But they need to know what's going on. Yeah. No, none of us are mind readers. (laughs) And so, yeah, I love that point. 
Okay, thank you so much, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate you being here with us as we explore ways to improve our relationships and understand ourselves better. You can find us on Instagram at Living Joyfully Podcast and join us next week as we dig deep, challenge paradigms, choose connection, and live joyfully.